My friends, very few moments in the past decade will be as significant as the news I bring you today. What we're seeing may be one of the most historically significant moments of the Trump era, and it's happening just before Donald Trump is facing a very tough reelection. Famous journalist, progressive Glenn Greenwald has announced he is resigning from The Intercept, a news organization he founded after they violated his contract and sought to censor his reporting on the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden scandal. They demanded that he remove certain information from an article. And when he refused, as he says, he is contractually allowed to do. He's editorially independent. They even refused his secondary protection which allows him to publish elsewhere. My friends, the news media in this country has become corrupt beyond all recognition. Glenn Greenwald founded The Intercept. Now, the significance of this cannot be understated. And perhaps many might say, Tim, Glenn certainly isn't that important. Maybe that's their opinion. I disagree. Glenn Greenwald is the man who released the NSA leaks from Edward Snowden, co-founder of The Intercept. He is a co-founder of a news organization who he says all of the editors are supporting Joe Biden and sought to censor this information. I, I saw the news and my heart skipped a beat. I mean, this is that significant. For a long time, I have ragged on the media. It has been one of the most serious catalysts of my entrance into hard politics. I used to just be the guy who would go on the ground and film and ask questions to better understand what people were doing and why they were doing it. But as news media in our country became more and more corrupt and biased and cynical and jaded, the more I resisted and the more angry I became. I then left one of these major news conglomerates, started out on my own, and continued to criticize many of these news organizations, seeing just how bad they've really become. For Glenn Greenwald to resign, it just shows that there are some journalists that still have integrity. And I want to show you a bit of these, uh, a few of these journalists that I think do have tremendous integrity. That includes Michael Tracy, Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, and their stories, because what we're seeing from Glenn isn't He's not the only journalist who has stepped away from these large institutions, but this is one of the most significant simply because Glenn is telling us outright they are censoring the story on the Biden scandal. Now, I'm sure that's not the only reason. There's probably a lot to it. And I don't want to uh, uh, maybe project my views or what I think onto what Glenn Greenwald is doing or why he's doing it. So let me just read for you his new story, uh, new, his story, his resignation explaining why this is happening. And then I want to show you what's happening to news in this country, because I have some articles from Matt Taibbi, another very great journalist, a liberal who explains the American left has gone nuts and the news media is being destroyed because of it. My friends, I must stress without a strong and healthy journalistic apparatus in this country, we run the risk of extreme corruption taking over. And for everything you can say about Donald Trump that you'd like to criticize, I will respect your right to do so. But doesn't it seem odd to you that we cannot get an honest conversation about the rest of the corrupt cronies in our political establishment? Why is Joe Biden being protected? I, I am uh, before we get started. My respect for Glenn Greenwald has just multiplied by a hundredfold, and I've already been saying good things about him and run segments about his coverage in in the past several weeks. But Glenn, man, inspirational, and I'm I'm I uh, my respect. 
I want to read for I want to read you why he resigned. This is shocking stuff. An inside look at the bias and corruption, even at the intercept. It breaks my heart to, to see this happen. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. I got a P.O. box. You want to send me stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. And oh, man, share this video. And I know it does help me, but please explain to people what this article is. I'm going to put the link to Glenn Greenwald's letter in the description below. Share it. Let people read this. Let them know what is happening to our news institutions. Donald Trump may be bombastic. He may say enemy of the people and it may be over the top, but this is serious. We need our news media to challenge those who are in power to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. That's what they're supposed to do. But so far, they have only served to protect the corrupt corporate establishment. Now, of course, they go after Donald Trump, but that is an emotional attack that they're just trying to make money off of. This is where it gets crazy. Let me read you the story, but don't forget to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and seriously, let people know what's happening. I know this might not be the biggest story. Oh, Donald Trump, you know, signs a peace agreement or, or smacks down Nancy Pelosi and Pelosi strikes back. None of that stuff. No, this is actually the stuff that's shaping this nation. And I know uh, there may be many people who might not agree with me of the historical significance of this. But uh, I, I truly believe that when we look back on this era, this will be highlighted. There will be a mark here saying the day Glenn Greenwald resigned from his own news outlet over censorship of the Joe Biden scandal. This is crazy. Here's the story. My resignation from The Intercept by Glenn Greenwald posted on Substack. The same trends of repression, censorship and ideological homogeneity plaguing the national press generally have engulfed the media outlet I co-founded, culminating in censorship of my own articles. I am reading this four minutes after it's published. Uh, this, uh, I'm just going to read. Glenn Greenwald writes, today I sent my intention to resign from The Intercept, the news outlet I co-founded in 2013 with Jeremy Scahill and Laura Poitras, as well as from its parent company, First Look Media. The final precipitating cause is that the Intercept's editors, in violation of my contractual right of editorial freedom, censored an article I wrote this week, refusing to publish it unless I remove all sections critical of Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden. The candidate vehemently supported by all New York-based Intercept editors involved in this effort at suppression. The censored article based on recently revealed emails and witness testimony raised critical questions about Biden's conduct, not content to simply prevent publication of this article at the media outlet I co-founded. These intercept editors also demanded that I refrain from exercising a separate contractual right to publish this article with any other publication. Glenn, smart man. He had two guarantees in his contract. The first, I am editorially independent. I will write what I see to write. Many of you may know that I have a news outlet as well called SCNR. It's doing video production. And I guaranteed that same right to those working at Scanner. They might not like my opinions. We may not agree with each other. I'm not going to tell them what they can or can't report on. Glenn Greenwald made sure he had that right as well. But his second level of protection was that if they refused to publish his stories, he could go publish wherever he wants. And they still tried to shut him down. He says, I had no objection to their disagreement with my views of what this Biden evidence shows as a last last ditch attempt to avoid being censored. 
I encouraged them to air their disagreements with me by writing their own articles. That critique, my perspectives, and letting readers decide who is right, the way any confident and healthy media outlet would. But modern media outlets do not air dissent. They quash it. So censorship of my article, rather than engagement with it, was the path these Biden-supporting editors chose. The censored article will be published on this page shortly. My letter of intent to resign, which I sent this morning to First Look Media's President Michael Bloom, is published below. He says, as of now, I will be publishing my journalism here on Substack, where numerous other journalists, including my good friend, the great intrepid reporter Matt Taibbi, seconded, have come in order to practice journalism free of the increasingly repressive climate that is engulfing national mainstream media outlets across the country. This was not an easy choice. I am voluntarily sacrificing the support of a large institution and guaranteed salary in exchange for nothing other than a belief that there are enough people who believe in the virtues of independent journalism and the need for free discourse who will be willing to support my work by subscribing. You know it, Glenn, my respect. Like anyone with young children, a family and numerous obligations, I do this with some trepidation, but also with the conviction that there is no other choice. I could not sleep at night knowing that I allowed any institution to censor what I want to say and believe, least of all a media outlet I co-founded with the explicit goal of ensuring this never happens to other journalists, let alone me, let alone because I have written an article critical of a powerful Democratic politician vehemently supported by the editors in the imminent national election. But the pathologies, illiberalism, and repressive mentality that led to the bizarre spectacle of my being censored by my own media outlets are one that are by no means unique to The Intercept. These are the viruses that have contaminated virtually every mainstream center-left political organization, academic institution, and newsroom. I began writing about politics 15 years ago with the goal of combating media propaganda and repression. And regardless of the risks involved, simply cannot accept any situation, no matter how secure or lucrative, that forces me to submit my journalism and right to free expression to its suffocating constraints and dogmatic dictates. I'd like to provide a pseudo standing ovation to Glenn Greenwald. In 2016, I was working for a news organization that was a joint venture between ABC News and Univision, and I saw what I thought to be unethical behavior violations of journalistic integrity and ethics. And I tried breaking my contract and they didn't want me to. And it's called golden handcuffs. They lock you up. You can't do anything. And finally, when it came time, they gave me more money. When it came time for contract renewal, they released me. And I said, I, I didn't want to stay. I tried leaving a year early. I did not like what they were doing. And at great personal risk to myself, leaving a lucrative job with a massive salary, I said, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm far from perfect. I've been called hyperpartisan. And I think it's fair to say that if you come to this channel, you're typically going to see me criticizing the left. I'll criticize the right, but usually I'll do a segment that doesn't focus on Trump's actions or Republicans actions for the most part. This is why. Now, on my second channel, you may it may be a bit different because it's more loose and on the IRL podcast, particularly different. And I focus as an individual on stories I think are important. Perhaps I'm not perfect. But to see news organizations that make an editorial choice to suppress information is beyond 
reproach. Look, I may have my my partisanship and bias on my channels. They uh, my my channel is listed by one uh, uh, you know um, listing directory as right wing. All of those things because of who I criticize predominantly. I will always try to make sure I'm showing you important information. If a poll says Trump is the best, I'll say. But keep in mind, it's one poll. If I if I'm going to show you a a great poll for Trump, I try to focus on the aggregates. Although I have my bias as an individual, I try to make sure I'm at least being fair and reasonable and intellectually honest. I believe Glenn Greenwald, for the most part, does that as well. I've criticized him in the past, but he's been consistently good on. Uh, well, he's been consistently good in the work he's done. Very few journalists these days are actual journalists. And the mark of a good journalist, in my opinion, is Glenn Greenwald's willingness to say he does not like Donald Trump, to write things negatively about Donald Trump, but then point out that these stories in Russia, and all, these things, all these other ridiculous accusations make literally no sense to write fairly about Trump and then Joe Biden. He is a better man than I in that regard, with respect. To see him resign is, wow, uh, I really I really do mean it. I mean, look, when I got into this game, Glenn Greenwald had already been writing for a long time. When he published the NSA leaks from Edward Snowden, he was propelled to international stardom, heralded as a progressive hero. But over the past several years, as he sought to challenge the hypocrisy in these media outlets, he's been maligned and insulted. He mentions his good friend, Matt Taibbi. I have tremendous respect for Matt Taibbi as well and always have going back to the days of Occupy Wall Street. It's amazing how it is not us that have changed. And now Glenn Greenwald, finally, the dam is broken. They tried shutting down him reporting a major piece of historical news, news media. And he said no. Look at the response people have. Here is a tweet from Matt Taibbi. He said, over under on the number of non-conservative outlets that mention Tony Bobulinski tomorrow. I love it. Matt, good man. Matt Taibbi is not a conservative and neither am I. Although you can, they, they like to call me that. Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm one of the people who left a long time ago and was like, I'm not playing this dirty game. Matt Taibbi left. I believe he left Rolling Stone magazine earlier this year. Glenn Greenwald only leaving now. Matt Taibbi pointing out that the only people covering that the fact that someone who literally worked with the Biden family is blowing the whistle and they won't report on it. Matt Taibbi says number of non-conservative outlets that mention him because Bob Yulinsky gave a press conference. He said, it's true. I have evidence. Look at Brett Kavanaugh. One woman says, I don't remember. I have no witnesses. I don't even know where it was. And it's wall to wall coverage. This is uh, we, we have no news outlets. We have activists working for the Democratic Party. Trump has his sycophantic sites, but come on, man. Big league politics. You may have heard of that, right? Very, very pro-Trump. How much circulation do they have relative to the New York Times, to the Washington Post, to any of these massive organizations or the Intercept for that matter? You want me to get mad about these small blogs that are pro-Trump? I'm not playing that game. Look at the response. In response to this, one Twitter user said, I don't think it matters anymore. The story is up and walking. Liberal media is an oxymoron. It is literally beyond belief what they are doing. I don't understand why none other than Matt and Glenn Greenwald have the courage to break ranks and call this out. And this one user responds. These aren't I'm not trying to insult these people by saying this, but they're not, you know, large players. They're just these are just responses. Matt and Glenn aren't liberals or leftists. They are paid right wing shills who pretend to be leftists. The reason no one is printing it is because it is obvious BS. You believe it is because you have brain worms. So far, 
a uh, congressional committee, I believe, the, I believe the Senate has verified much of the veracity of these claims. And the laptop exists. The FBI had it. This is real information. At the very least, it warrants an investigation. Maybe it's not definitive yet, but we have a witness. Shouldn't the media be a bit curious about this? They should be, but they're not. Take a look at this story. Announcement to readers. I'm moving April 6th from Matt Taibbi. Substack is now my full-time job. Matt doesn't get into the full details about why he left, but he mentions he was not asked to leave. We also have Barry Weiss when she wrote her resignation from the New York Times, basically saying that it's become woke insanity. The New York Times is, has been destroyed from the inside out and is now effectively a skin suit being worn by the woke cultists. That's my words, not Barry Weiss. I'm just giving you a hyperbolic uh, you know, assessment, in my opinion. I want you to know my perspective, the things I say, the things I talk about, the things I focus on are rooted in all of this. Matt Taibbi's resignation, Barry Weiss's resignation, Glenn Greenwald's. I saw the same thing. Only my threshold, and I'm not saying this as a brag or anything or, or disrespectful. At the time, my threshold, look, I, I, I don't stand for, for BS at all. I can be self-critical. I can point out my channel is biased. I can say that I almost only ever talk about Democrats in a critical light, very rarely, and I rarely ever criticize Republicans. But I want you to understand where I come from in that the Democrats are being protected by the media. The media was the first catalyst towards me breaking out and getting into, into politics when I saw the corruption and the lies, how they were manipulating people. With that came the cult of intersectionality. That was what I saw being used to justify the ends, justify the means by any means necessary. And now I see the Democratic Party embracing critical race theory and their activists and allies disrupting and destroying the news media. So, yes, I am biased in that direction, which is likely why I think Glenn Greenwald leaving The Intercept, a fairly progressive, a very progressive news outlet, is historically significant. It's unfortunate to say that our news media has become completely corrupted. And it's not just look, let me show you from June 15th. Matt Taibbi writes, American left has lost its mind. Journalism is a victim. There's recently an article from The Atlantic saying Joe Biden is the best hope if you're scared of illiberalism. They said people like Ben Shapiro, who, who was just adamantly opposed to Donald Trump in 2016, now supports him, saying the Democrats have lost their minds. How many times and by how many people does it need to be said that this is true? I have tremendous respect for Vosh who came on to my IRL podcast, and he's an anti-fascist socialist, and we had a conversation. We got to an inch, a lot of its opinion. Did Trump do a good job here? Did he do a bad job here? And I, I, I can argue my opinion versus his opinion, but ultimately opinions are opinions. But when he got to talking about the things that Trump has done that's bad, I asked him if he knew what Obamagate was. He didn't. He said he'd need to brush up. I asked him if he knew about the meeting between Comey and you know Sally Yates, and uh, where, where they discussed the Logan Act and Michael Flynn. And I know this story is particularly hard to break through. And it's because our news media isn't telling you for the most part. For those that don't know the story, the quick gist of it is, it seems there was a meeting of Obama administration officials before Trump was inaugurated to try and find a way to prosecute Michael Flynn for dubious reasons, notably the Logan Act. One FBI agent asked, are we doing this to prosecute or get him fired? Why would the FBI seek to get a guy fired from his job? How weird is that? 
And the story gets weirder from there. An ex-FBI lawyer was recently prosecuted for altering evidence so that they can get bunk warrants against Trump to stage the Russiagate fiasco. I personally feel like when we see the media defending Joe Biden, refusing to call out his corruption, and he's corrupt, and some have written about it. To be fair, I'm not saying everyone. Like I mentioned, Politico wrote Biden Inc., how Joe Biden's family's fortunes have tracked his political career. That's the accusation. And it should be obvious. But you see, leftist activists and Democratic operatives have found their way into our news organizations, and they have destroyed them from the inside out. How sad is it that Glenn Greenwald founded The Intercept and has been forced out? Glenn, I wonder what you could have done to have prevented the, the takeover of your organization by zealotry. I don't know. Matt Taibbi is a liberal, and he says the American left has lost its mind. You now have liberal, liberals and conservatives alike saying this is happening. Heaven help us if Joe Biden wins. Could you imagine what that would mean for our country if Joe Biden wins? Even though we have ample evidence now going back a year and a half or longer of his corruption, selling his family name, using his son and his brother as intermediaries to make money. Could you imagine if this man gets elected because our news media refused to say it because they wanted him to win because orange man bad, shocking and terrifying that we may be facing a very seriously corrupt president and vice president, because a media failed to do its job. Now, they say Donald Trump is corrupt and all of these things. But I'll tell you what, if the media wants to write a negative story about Trump, so long as there's evidence and it's true, please, please do it. And for all of the stories they've written about the things I've criticized, they say that Trump was having U.S. military personnel stay at his personal golf resorts. I think it's a conflict of interest. Shouldn't have happened. They say that Donald Trump wanted to have the G7 at Trump Doral. I say that's a conflict of interest. It should not happen. And conservatives challenge Trump on that as well. Please, it is good when they write about Trump. And it is good that they hold Trump down to a certain degree. We don't want an unchecked despot as president. And Trump is not that. Trump has his problems. But at a certain point, they have gone so over the top insane with criticizing Trump that stories now are completely fake. What will happen? If this culture war continues, I ask people, what are they going to write about if Trump loses? And there's a lot. Truth and reconciliation commissions, naming the people who enabled Trump. This psychotic cult will grow out of control into authoritarian despotism, fascism or communism or whatever ism authoritarian system would take its place, would, would take the place of our once great nation. They'll start writing about the villains and they already are. Joe Rogan had on Alex Jones and they say Alex Jones lied about everything and pushed falsehoods. Joe Rogan fact checked him in real time and found found certified sources confirming much of what Alex Jones said. And I, I, don't, I think Alex Jones says crazy things. But for the media to come out and outright lie, call for censorship, ban people, refuse to publish the news. I think this is as scary as it could probably uh, or possibly get. I mean, we are we are talking about the, the the collapse of one of the most important institutions in this country, the system that we have that protects us from the corrupt. I want to add to this. The devastation comes not just from the corrupt, but from the technology as well, with local news becoming more and more obsolete, I suppose, losing its audience and losing money, local corruption 
begins to form. And there are no journalists who can call them out. You know, when when news media was local, advertisement covered the bills. A local restaurant would say, we're going to we're going to pay, you know, X amount of dollars to the local paper so that we can let people know we sell these wonderful cheeseburgers. With that money, a news organization could fund very serious investigative work that would allow people to figure out if their politicians are corrupt and keep them in check. But now advertising has gone national. It's gone to Facebook and Google, and it's gone. uh, And news, for the most part, is more national. That means local officials can be corrupt. And it also means now the the sickness has made its way all the way to the top. It now means that Joe Biden himself can be corrupt, and there is nothing that anyone can do to stop it. I want to give a shout out to the journalists that I think are doing a good job. As I mentioned, Glenn Greenwald, I, I, I'm speechless at the level of respect. I don't even know what to say. I mean, this is Glenn Greenwald is probably the best journalist in the world as far as I can, I'm concerned right now to issue the public statement and to refuse to back down. Standing ovation. There are other journalists as well to see Barry Weiss resign, to see Matt Taibbi resign and to see this, the, the writings of Michael Tracy. Give me uh, I mean, these are the very few journalists we have left, but also shout out to Project Veritas. Far from perfect, but doing actual journalism. The media just says Trump's lying. There's no fraud. Trump's lying. There's no fraud. And then Veritas goes and says, there it is. Is it this national scheme? No, but there's fraud. It's, it's, it's insane to me, but I know what uh, uh, we can expect next. The smears they put on Project Veritas. They do everything in their power. To make it seem like Veritas is lying, manipulative, deceptive, and all those things. My understanding is that every lawsuit they've faced, they've won. Because they're very careful to make sure that what they're saying is defensible. And of course, there's always framing in news. And uh, they have their bias. In one story done by Veritas, they said, look, this pro-life organization is being censored. What they didn't notice is that a leftist anti-war organization had also been censored. Not that they did anything wrong. They just missed it. And that's their bias. So that's where someone like I comes, uh, can, can come in. When I covered the story, I said that, hey, check it out. They're also censoring this anti-war leftist organization. I think those things are important as well. There are very few good, good journalists left. Journalism as an institution has been crushed. But I tell you this, man, I'm at a point where what, you know, I, I look at what Glenn Greenwald has done and it gives me hope, but it also makes me feel a bit more pessimistic. Glenn created a powerful media entity, and then they took it over, and they are now wearing it like a skin suit. And Glenn is gone, the founder of this of this of this publication. I mean, it's good now that we can see the great work of Glenn Greenwald. But think about the power of the institutions, the cultural institutions that are being taken over by these woke, illiberal extremists. And Joe Biden might win now. But it does give me hope. It does. More hopeful than anything to see the, the journalists I have just named doing the work they do with tremendous respect to all of them. Thank you. And Glenn, wow. I look forward to seeing the work you do in the future and I will keep following. And I, 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 I recommend everybody give him a follow as well, because I will tell you this. You can be a leftist. You might get mad when he talks about the lies about Trump. You can be on the right and get mad when he criticizes Trump. But that's the way it should be. Man, I... I uh, can't believe this is the news that dropped today. But um, I'm feeling good. I feel I'm feeling good. I hope that this could be a point where things start to turn around, that the corrupt institutions start to falter because of their lies. And the American people start to see and they change their mind. They start to see and they realize 
I don't know if Trump is the answer. I'm sure Glenn would tell you that Trump is awful. And I think Trump is bad in a lot of ways. But we have to stop this, this, this illiberal wave, this cult of intersectionality. It must be stopped. Trump has taken action to stop it. I'll take what I can get for now. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Uh, Timcast News, I'm sorry. I'm a little uh, still speechless. I mean, wow. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you on the next segment. There is no doubt that media in this country is ridiculously biased. And the problem is we've got a massive mainstream conglomerate media apparatus that will not cover breaking and massively important stories, notably in this case, the Hunter Biden scandal, for which now documents from Hunter Biden business partner, Tony Bobulinski, reviewed by Senate committee so far legit, according to a report. But of course, I'm not leading with that story. I just want you to know that so far, this is all this is confirmed. This is legit. Why wouldn't the media touch this story? Why did it fall upon the New York Post? Apparently, the Wall Street Journal had a leg up on this scoop and didn't run it, at least not initially. And so they've actually done some decent reporting on it. But why not? Why was it ignored? I think one of the biggest problems we have in this country is a desperation to fit in and a fear of being the other. And that means when damning information arises, people say, I'm not touching that. Now, to be fair, we are all guilty of this, myself included. There are some things I'm just going to be like, I, I don't know about all that one. But I believe I have a higher threshold. You get me an expert, you get me documents, you verify them, I'm willing to report on it. I remember looking at a review for a conspiracy theory website by NewsGuard. NewsGuard said this website posts unfounded conspiracies like this one. And the story they linked to was sourced to a former FBI official. And I said, listen, I understand the claims from a former FBI official like this sound nuts. It was like it was something about U.S. operations in foreign countries. And I'm like, but what gives you the right to determine which expert with with the credentials is correct or isn't? Another point is Tucker Carlson, when he had the whistleblower from University of Hong Kong on saying that she drafted a paper showing COVID was man-made. They said fake news. And I said, what gives you the right to say this expert is wrong? She was literally a university uh, a professor in Hong Kong. Now, personally, I don't trust that story. I'm just saying if someone says, hey, I got a guy here from you know the NSA and he's saying this, how do you say that's fundamentally not true? Why? If the story sounds too far-fetched, people in media will say, hey, look, man, it might be true and your documents seem to be authentic, but it sounds crazy enough that we're not going anywhere near it. And that's a big problem. And that's why I think the Wall Street Journal didn't initially jump on the story. And, uh, and it's partly why a lot of outlets didn't want to jump on it. But I believe the biggest reason that news outlets would not talk about this, and they're only being forced to do it, and they are kicking and screaming, is because it hurts Joe Biden. And it should. It should hurt Joe Biden. That he was using his influence to, to make money with the money going through his family members as intermediaries. Of course, Joe Biden never received money from foreign governments. He has his kids do it. He has his brother do it. And then when they buy all this fancy stuff, he reaps those rewards. They call it Biden Inc. It was published in Politico magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you to the grand conspiracy and the media's desperate attempts to smear Tucker Carlson and the story itself. You see, last night, Tucker Carlson reveals new trove of documents implicating Joe Biden in shady deals has gone missing 
from Courier Company as recording reveals Hunter's two business partners were concerned their secrets would blow up big time. When I heard this, I was incredulous. I was shocked. I was no way. First of all, no way this happened. Tucker, in my opinion, I trust him. I do. I don't necessarily agree with all of his opinions, but I believe the man has integrity. Now, this is a crazy story that essentially they were shipping documents across the country and then poof, they were gone. Now, what do we get? What do we immediately get from the media? I love this. I love this. Check this out. From Jonathan Chait, ladies and gentlemen, the man who told us that Donald Trump was a, a possibly a Russian asset since the 1980s. Never mind the fact that that would mean that Trump was a Soviet asset. <laughs> this guy doesn't know that the Soviet Union collapsed. What was that, like the end of the 80s, early 90s? I was a little kid. I don't forgive me if I don't remember the exact date. Tucker Carlson reports he lost only copy of documents that nail Biden. Oh, no. He lost the only copy. Uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not convinced. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I could be wrong, but Tucker never said that. Yeah. Tucker never said he lost the only copies. No. Here's what people don't seem to understand. And, and maybe this is Tucker's fault for not explaining, you know, a bit more in detail. Last night when I saw this, I watched the clip from Tucker Carlson where he, ex- he told the story. And, and, and we'll read the story and I'll, I'll get to it. And I thought to myself, wait, 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 what, 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 you're not bringing us the documents? Where are the digital copies? No digital copies, no operational security. You, you sent these, this groundbreaking, this earth shattering story via courier and it's just gone. Ladies and gentlemen, I am reliably informed there are copies. Tucker never said that. I guess the point of Tucker's story was just to tell us how strange it was that they were sending hard copies, hard documents. And they went missing. That's it. We may actually still see them. I don't know for sure. Or maybe there aren't copies, but I'll tell you this. There's a reasonable explanation for why there wouldn't be. These are confidential and extremely important documents, probably a lot of them. So first, I don't think it's an excuse to say it would have been too difficult to scan and upload, but it may have taken quite some time. Still, it's called operational security and you protect your information and your evidence. But it could be that they're very serious and sensitive documents, and that's why. If that's the case and there are no copies, then uh, I'm sorry. I would have to laugh in Tucker Carlson's face for screwing this one up big time. I'm not entirely convinced we're at that point yet, but on the surface, this looks like one of the biggest blunders in recent journalism history, if that's the case. But again, I am told by some people there are, in fact, copies and that people are misunderstanding the point of the segment. Let's read the story. They say this first and most importantly, Carlson did not say whether Fox News had made copies of the document. That's correct. I watched it. No, at no point did he say we've lost it all. It's gone forever. We don't have any copies. But uh, that won't stop the fake news. The intelligence or Jonathan Chait from saying Tucker Carlson reports he lost only copy of documents. Quite literally, not true. Isn't that amazing how the media operates? Tucker Carlson has claimed that a dossier of documents allegedly implicating Joe Biden in, uh, and his son uh, in his son Hunter's shady business deals went missing in the post somewhere between Manhattan and Los Angeles. Carlson detailed the mystery of the vanishing documents during his Wednesday evening show on Fox News, where he also aired new audio of Hunter Biden's business partners sharing concerns that their secrets would blow up big time. The host said his team had sent documents via an established courier 
from his main studio in Manhattan on Monday to Los Angeles. At 3.44 a.m. on Tuesday, someone in the courier company noticed that he had been that he had been opened that that the okay okay let me try that again someone noticed in the courier company that the had okay there's a copy edit problem that the packet had been opened and its contents were removed carlson said no one was able to explain where the documents allegedly damaging to the bidens had gone he did not say whether fox news had any copies i think the point of the story was we were bringing these documents out and they went missing that's crazy right it is crazy. Who intercepted them? Why? Where? Freaky stuff. Let me tell you a story. I was once given information from a journalist that was important and involved uh, overseas conflict. Uh, it wasn't like anything pertaining to national security. It was just like, you know, it was just reporting and some. it was unreported information. I'll just put it that way. I was given a USB stick and told that there's copies of this we want to get this story out. I would like you to have a copy in the event that something happens to me. And again, not the most, pre- it, it, I'm not, I'm not going to claim it was like, would have changed the world or anything. No, it was just basic unreported stuff on the ground, interviews, some, you know, p- potential stories from, it, 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 I, I don't want to get too much into it, but it, it was, it was good. It was, it was a, a good and important story. Not earth shattering, wouldn't take on any governments or anything like that. But they give me this USB stick. Well, I, I had it in my bag and I was just one of many people who had been given a copy in the event they never got to publish, which they ultimately did. And again, not, not earth shattering stuff. Um, but before it was published, I was going through TSA security in an airport and I got chosen for a random screening. They told me that I had to be searched. You know, it was, I was randomly selected and I laughed and I was like, Oh, was it random? Yeah. They took my bag from me. And they said, we're going to put it down over here. And I, I, I objected. I said, no, 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 you can't search it in front of me. And they said, it's just going to be literally right here around the corner. I said, I can't see it. And they were like, sir, we're just going to, it's going to take 10 seconds. We're just going to do a, a search and your bag's right there. And so I was like, fine. And then when I made it to my destination, the USB stick was gone. And you know what the worst thing about it was? It was a 128 gig USB stick. And this is like 10 years ago. That was not cheap. Okay. I think it was like 50 or 60 bucks. It's like, dude, I would make a copy for you. It wasn't that crazy of information. I don't know where it went, why it was gone or what happened. I'm not accusing anybody. I don't know if there's a conspiracy. Maybe just it fell out of a hole in the bag, but that literally I had it, went to security. It was gone. So I have to wonder if there was a concern about what was on it. And maybe it would have been extremely damaging or something, but it wasn't. It was just your basic reporting from the field with some, you know, anecdotes and stories from locals. But I digress. These things happen. And that's why operational security is so important. He, uh, Tucker offered no details about what the documents described, merely saying they were confidential documents related to the Biden camp that came from a source. We believe they are authentic. And in, at the time we received them, my executive producer and I were in Los Angeles talking to Tony Bobulinski. He said, referring to Hunter Biden's business partner. So we texted a producer in New York and asked him to send us those documents to L.A. Monday afternoon this week, he shipped the documents overnight to California with a large national carrier, a brand name company that, that we've used, you used countless times. But the Biden documents never arrived in L.A. Carlson said that on Tuesday morning, the day of the Bobulinski interview, they received word from the shipping company that our package had been opened and the contents were missing. He said the documents uh, the documents disappeared. Carlson said, 
that the courier, that the courier company, to its credit, took this very seriously and investigated. He said they traced the envelopes until 3.44 a.m. on Tuesday, when an employee at the sorting facility in another state noticed that the package was open and empty. Carlson explained, the company's security team interviewed every one of its employees who touched the envelope we sent. They searched the plane and the trucks that carried it. They went through the office in New York where our producers dropped that package off. They combed the entire sorting facility. They used pictures of what we had sent. So the searchers would know what to look for. They went above and beyond, but found nothing. He said the courier company was baffled and deeply bothered by this. And so are we, he concluded. In his show on Wednesday, Carlson also revisited his interview the previous night with Bob Ulinski and aired new audio. In the clips, Rob Walker, a former Clinton official and family friend of the Bidens, who was one of the five men in the company, Sinohawk, said that he was concerned their story would blow big time. Sinohawk, active from 2017 and wound down in 2018, comprised of Hunter Biden, his uncle Jim, Joe's brother, uh, Bob Ulinski, Walker, and a British businessman, James Gilliar. Gilliar is based in the Czech Republic. He had known Bob Ulinski for many, many years. Walker, an investor in tech, was brought into the company by the Bidens. His wife, Betsy, used to work for Jill. Walker is heard on the phone with Bob Ulinski and Gilliar saying, I just think that if somebody comes out now and verifies the story, it blows up big time. That's all. Gillier, in a second clip, appears equally concerned, saying, we've got this situation now where it's escalating again because somebody, allegedly one of us three, has qualified the story. Already it's back on the front pages. Bob Ilinsky, in a third clip, says that their company is attracting attention from the Chinese firm they wish to uh, they wish to work with as a result of the Biden name. He was there because he was selling his family's name. And that's the whole reason why the Chinese were there, says Bob Ilinsky. The Chinese would never would never have been there if Biden's name wasn't there. Carlson did not air anything more to give context to the conversation. Now, these documents are confirmed. Well, so far, we know that many we, we know the emails are legit. We know uh, I believe the laptop is, to the best of our understanding, confirmed. Look, you, you can still flub things. We have got some dirty, shady stuff going on, to say the very least. A mysterious laptop dropped off at a computer repair store with a Bo Biden Foundation sticker on it. And then this guy hands it to the FBI. The FBI apparently said they didn't investigate because they didn't think the source of evidence could hold up in a court. Perhaps. The official story is that the laptop was dropped off by Hunter Biden, who signed for it, and he never came back for it, which then it became the property of the Mac store uh, repair shop guy. I tell you what, man. Uh, I, I, I fall I, I, I fall to Occam's razor. The simple solution tends to be the correct one. But I mean, think about how perfect that would be. You've got a trove of documents that were hacked, stolen from the Bidens, tax messages and everything. You put it on this computer, drop it off at a repair store and then never come back. It becomes the legal property and thus you bypass any hacking allegations. So I don't know. I don't know. I will tell you this. Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg comes under fire as he tells Republican senators his platform throttled users trying to post Hunter Biden revelations because the FBI warned Russia was spreading disinformation. Really, the FBI warned, look, they're desperately trying to break down the story, destroy it, and it won't work. MAGA scrambles to repair the Hunter Biden narrative. Instead of publishing the more salacious allegations, conservative media has now has been more focused on covering alleged suppression of the story. This is why, my friends, they never say my name. 
First of all, they try to say I'm right wing or whatever. And some people, I guess from a tribal point of view, I understand why they would do that. But I'm certainly not a conservative. And they often never bring me up. You ever thought about this? I think I got 110 million views total podcast and YouTube, mostly YouTube in the last month in, in September. October is tracking uh, to go uh, to be a little bit lower, but that actually is normal. There's, there's, there's ebbs and flows and things like that. And I see all these articles talking about who, what, what the right wing media is doing and what, what the, the mainstream media has said. And even though I have this massive viewership, they don't mention what I said. And maybe it's because I'm an outlier. You know, it's like, well, what do we say about this guy? But uh, scrambling to repair the Hunter Biden narrative I've covered the Hunter Biden thing extensively and gotten to the core of the allegations and explained my opinions on why I think it was really, really bad that Hunter Biden had done these things and why Joe Biden has done these things. And I've also said, if you want to point out Trump's criticism, I'm not going to sit here and uh, criticisms of Trump. I'm not going to sit here and defend the man. By all means, I've said it almost every time I've talked about this. There's criticism to be uh, be thrown at Trump for having government contracts with his own properties and businesses. Now, he's lost money in his first two years of the presidency. I don't know the numbers on the, on the, on the next two because the New York Times hasn't uh, reported on those the way they did on 2016 and 17. Um, I'm not sure if he lost money in 2018 and 19. But uh, Donald Trump has lost money. And they're com- like, no matter what he would have done, if he made money, they'd say he's making money as president. He's using the government to his advantage. He loses money to say, aha, he's not paying taxes. So listen, by all means, we can talk about both. I just happen to think that, you know, the Bidens are 47, Joe Biden is a 47 year crony establishment politician. And Trump maybe has things you can, you can call him out for, which I have in the past. Trump derailed G7, his, 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 uh, resorts in, in, in Scotland that he was having, you know, military stay at. I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. And so I called it out when it happened. I would like a fair and honest assessment of what's going on with the Hunter Biden narrative. And no, MAGA isn't scrambling. It's just that many people said the suppression of the story is a bigger story in itself. In fact, it's not just conservatives. I believe we've got some progressive reporters, individuals like Matt Taibbi. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, mouths, but there are some progressive reporters calling out the intelligence establishment, calling out the mainstream media and saying this was a marginal corruption. St- I shouldn't say marginal, but um, it was uh, it was a big story. Look, I don't want to act like what we're learning about the Bidens is like the end of the world in terms of like shocking revelations. It's a serious, serious story about Joe Biden. But come on, you give me a story about, you know, someone in the government using their name and having their kids make money off their office and all that stuff. It's kind of like it's something we expected, we assume, and now we're getting confirmation. So big, big story. Don't get me wrong. Not the biggest story in the world. Important nonetheless especially coming into election. So certainly one of the biggest. Well, then they suppressed it. And now we are looking at a mainstream media, Politico, the intelligencer, the New York Times, discrediting the story, claiming it's BS without evidence. And it's now being confirmed over and over again. And they claim it's MAGA struggling, scrambling to repair the narrative. Now, the narrative is simple. The documents were released. A witness has come forward. We know that Joe Biden has has run Biden Inc., that's what they called it in Politico magazine, where his brother and his son have made tons of money. Joe Biden's son and his brother have made tons of money. And as Politico said, their good fortune tracks very much so with Joe Biden's career. Trump pointing out that Joe's brother made millions in Iraq. Yep. 
Who are these people who voted for us to go in to the Middle East? These crony establishment politicians, the people who uh, have been in for decades and they keep pushing the same things and enriching themselves off it. We got corruption problems. We absolutely do. And I'll tell you what, I think we've successfully concluded on what we're seeing with the Hunter Biden story. Joe Biden was going to receive equity. And you know what? You can say, well, where are the documents? We'll see. Maybe Tucker really did screw this one up and shame on him if that's the case. Maybe they didn't think twice. They didn't know. And they were just like, just send them over. And they didn't realize someone's going to intercept that. Tucker, I, I look, I, I spend a lot of time. I have a lot of friends in the hacker community, the InfoSec community, information security, InfoSec for short. And they're very, very up on what's called OPSEC, operational security. I believe it's operational security. Someone's going to correct me. But uh, so we, we know full well what you do and don't do. And that's why I told the story about my USB stick. That w- I was just the, the reason why I didn't really care all that much about the stick was that it was given to a ton, you know, the USB stick. It was given to tons of people. And when it went missing, I just kind of laughed about it. I was more concerned about losing the, uh, the, 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 the USB stick that, as opposed to the information. But Tucker kind of screwed that one up. But anyway, I, I, I digress. Let me say it this way. We know. Hunter Biden was selling the family name. We know Joe Biden went to Ukraine and said, fire the prosecutor or you're not getting the money. We know that Joe Biden threatened to withhold guaranteed loans, which apparently is not legal. And people said Trump shouldn't have done either. Okay, absolutely. Trump should not have threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine in exchange for this investigation. 100%. And if it was a crime or whatever, then by all means, we look into it. And if Trump is guilty, he is. Here's the thing. Joe Biden did the exact same thing. And this is not a whataboutism. It's a standards issue. The left will immediately go, that's whataboutism. We're talking about what Trump should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's the legal standard? Well, Joe Biden did X and no one cares. And Trump did X and now you care. I'm sorry. We have to have a legal standard. We have to have a political standard. I'm not happy with either of it. Now, Joe Biden did this. Okay. I can say fine. They said he was acting in accordance with U.S. policy. Well, as the president, he sets foreign policy. And if he wants them to look into shady dealings done by Joe Biden, then he is setting the foreign policy and is acting within it. That's why he was elected. So spare me. The Hunter Biden narrative is clear. Jim and Hunter Biden Inc. have made tons of money off of Joe Biden's public service. And it's disgusting. And we've moved on from this in a sense. Now, there's still a lot to be covered. But we're now at a point where we realize big tech, big media are doing everything in their power to suppress damaging information to the guy they want to win. I'll tell you the funniest thing in all this media stuff. They're coming after Joe Rogan because he had Alex Jones on his on his podcast again. And uh, uh, I guess the Joe Rogan was re-uploading the, the episode to like clean it up and it dropped off the playlist or whatever. And everyone freaked out, thought it was censored. And it's like the silliest thing ever. But hey, excellent PR, mind you. So anyway, Joe Rogan made a post on Instagram earlier where Alex Jones was saying a bunch of crazy things that many people in the media claim are lies. I think BuzzFeed wrote a story saying, you know, Alex is pushing all this disinformation. The funny thing about that is that on the show, they were fact checking Alex and confirming a lot of what he said. Now, I didn't see the full episode. And but Joe made a post saying, look, here's a clip. This is what Alex Jones was talking about. He was right. It's interesting. I think Alex Jones says a lot of crazy things. I do. But I think the media says crazy things all the same. And they're doing it to protect their political choice. 
So therein lies the big problem. The scandal has grown above and beyond Hunter Biden. And it's now implicated big tech, Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, less so Google, because, you know, it was Facebook and Twitter suppressing this. And for whatever reason, you know, the mainstream media now is trying to cover this up and probably because it's, you know, we know it's true. I'll leave it there, though. We'll, 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 we'll I, I look, my final thought on this is we've got to do something about this. We've got to, we've got to demand our rights and challenge those who would lie to us. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. Last night in Philadelphia, police discovered a van loaded with explosives and suspicious equipment. And this is coming after several days of violent unrest. At the start of these riots, someone in a pickup truck ran through a row of police officers running over a 56-year-old female sergeant, breaking her leg, among other injuries. It's very serious. Seeing this story about them now discovering a van with explosives does not mean they're connected. But it is disconcerting nonetheless. And I believe we, we need to see action by law enforcement, by, by district attorneys, by our federal attorneys. Something must be done to restore the peace. Now, it is just fortuitous, I suppose, for Donald Trump that it's happening just before Election Day. But if you were to imply, one, that Trump somehow foments the riots on purpose in order to win, I would call you insane. Or two, that the, the law enforcement and prosecutors should stand down and do nothing because it's too close to Election Day, then I would also call you insane. And this is what we're doing today. You know, listen, part of me wanted to this morning just do your normal, like, I don't know how many morning riot alerts I've done where it's like, I wake up in the morning and it's like the riots are continuing again. We had a, we had a period of a, a couple of weeks sporadically where the riots really did simmer down and it felt like we were coming out of this. And then we saw a couple of major incident, uh, incidents. The Walter Wallace shooting, man with a knife, came at cops, cops shot him. It's, it's tragedy, man. It really is. But you know, I don't know what people expect out of these situations. In DC, it was a man on a moped fleeing from police who got hit by a different car. At least that's the story I was told. And people are rioting over this. Well, they're trying to pull a guy over. <laughs> Apparently, it's illegal to ride a moped, and the guy didn't want to stop. I don't know. It's resulted in riots. And according to some reporters, the worst riots we've seen since George Floyd riots peaked in the beginning of June. I could just do another riot thing. And I do want to talk about, we had a ton of updates. I mean, the feds are making moves, video surface. There's like some prominent activists have been arrested. We'll get into this. But I want to show you something first. I want to show you what makes me enthusiastic for Donald Trump. Here's what I said on Twitter. Posts like this make me enthusiastic for Trump. They started rioting in three cities recently, and Trump's people are taking immediate action, and the press is making it about politics. That's right. I bring you Ryan J. Riley, and I also want to point out before I read this thread why this should matter to you if you are, say, on the left or if you're a regular, you know, moderate or politically unaffiliated or conservative. I understand why conservatives don't like this stuff. They want to protect the businesses and the families and order, allow people to comfortably live their lives and have their rights violated. And I completely agree with that. I think most moderates just want to be left alone. As for the leftists, you should agree with all of those other things and something else we all should agree with. There were a couple of Jewish men in New York who were attacked and insulted with anti-Semitic slurs. And even I believe there's some people from the Anti-Defamation League who are pointing this out. These are Black Lives Matter protesters screaming anti-Semitic slurs at Jewish men and pushing them and shoving them out and telling them to leave. 
while saying some really awful things. We should not in any way protect, respect, or defend these people. They're abhorrent, no matter where you stand on the political spectrum. But of course, our establishment media elites love to just play politics. Listen, Donald Trump's people are doing the right thing. They're making arrests. You're innocent until proven guilty. And they're prosecuting people. Good. We should not allow this. I'm sorry for all the Biden supporters that these people started protesting uh, a week before the election. And I mean Antifa for those that are going to try and insinuate. No, I'm talking about Antifa and far leftists. Those are the people that are going out and starting these riots, initiating the conflict. And then there are other people going out and just taking up an opportunity to loot Walmarts and such. This is what we see from the likes of our journalism class. This is Ryan J. Riley from Huffington Post. He tweets, one of the most political U.S. attorneys in the county is holding a press conference five days before Election Day to announce indictments related to unrest in Philadelphia, a frequent target of the Trump administration in a critical swing state. Oh, oh, is that why he's doing it? U.S. Attorney EDPA. We have the tweet right here. U.S. Attorney William M. McSwain and law enforcement officials will hold a press conference tomorrow at the U.S. Attorney's Office at 1 p.m. to announce criminal indictments stemming from violent unrest in Philadelphia. The world does not stop because there is an election next week. I'm sorry. I know it hurts Joe Biden because Trump's got frack country on the Western Western uh, PA and then Eastern PA, as I'm told, still is a lot of Trump country. But you got these urban centers, which are deep blue. And now they have all the more reason to support Donald Trump. His appointees are taking very quick and decisive action to end the violence, something many of us have been asking for since the riot started. We look, I'm not talking about an iron fist and a dictator coming in and just rounding people up. I'm talking about the system operating as we expect it to. If you are suspected of breaking uh, of breaking the law, an officer makes an arrest. You are innocent now. If the prosecutor so decides to prosecute, you may be then proven guilty by a jury of your peers or a judge in a court of law. You actually can choose a bench or a jury trial. You are innocent until proven guilty. And I believe that is paramount in this country. But I also expect the prosecutors to at least try if they have evidence to prove that you are guilty of rioting, looting, vandalizing and hurting people. I'm not saying everyone who gets arrested is guilty. I'm saying everyone who gets arrested is innocent until the prosecutor can make their case. And I expect them to try. But too often they don't. So this makes me enthusiastic. Oh, what's this? A, 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 uh, a Trump, Trump critical swing state, whatever. I don't care. A U.S. attorney is saying we're going to make these, these, these criminal charges. Thank you. Good. Yes. Excellent. I guess we'll see what he says. But to turn into a political thing, here's what we end up seeing. Ryan J. Riley says McSwain, who has made several appearances on Tucker Carlson's program, so what? It is an ongoing war of words with Philadelphia's elected district attorney. Last year, he issued an inflammatory statement slamming the DA after a suspect shot several Philly cops. So this is, again, U.S. attorney. These are the feds coming in where the local DAs will not. Something I have praised in the past and will praise now. And so be it. If the U.S. attorneys are the only ones willing to say you will not destroy the lives of innocent people, you will not wreak havoc upon our city, then I'm going to say thank you to those attorneys. 
I do not like expansive executive authority. I do not like Obama's dictatorial powers, the indefinite detention provision uh, under the National Defense Authorization Act. I don't like Donald Trump's commando raids in Yemen, which he inherited, to be fair, but still persisted in in the first few years of his presidency. All of that needs to be criticized. But there is a standard. Like I said, these people can at least be arrested. And if there is evidence, prosecuted. And if the local DAs won't do it, then thank heavens we have Trump U.S. attorneys who will actually do their job. Now, heaven forbid Joe Biden gets in because I don't know what he would do, but I would assume he's going to do what all the other Democrat DAs are are doing. Well, you know, we're going to cut these people loose like we've seen in many different places. I'm not I'm not a fan. Listen, I like protest. I do. I like protest. I like it when people say F you to the government. But I don't like violent protest based on fake news. They say QAnon is also dangerous. Uh, Yeah. And so are these people who think there's cops lurking around every corner hunting people down. It's it's ridiculous. Okay, you don't attack innocent people. And I'll tell you what, if you want to go out, if someone goes out and protests and the only thing that happens is that cops clash with protesters, well, you're going to get arrested. Okay, but even then, I can say I understand they're protesting police. I don't like the violence, and I think you should leave when things get crazy. But protests, you know, uh, uh, that in that instance, I would I would get. <clears throat> Instead, what do we see? These people are going out looting Walmart. How does that make sense? What about stealing a TV is going to help somebody? And they say in defense of looting, it's just they're taking what they need. They just needed bread. Oh, shut up! That's not true. They're opportunists exploiting the chaos, and I'm not a fan of that. Look, I, 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 I like the idea of abolishing poverty. I like the idea of universal health care. I do. Find me a path to a sustainable universal health care system. I'm totally on board. No one's proven it yet. Find me a path towards your utopian vision where people live in harmony with individual liberties. The world flourishes. I am absolutely on board. But just come and tell me we must or it's going to happen and that you're going to use violence to get it. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Mm-mm, no. And so here's what's crazy to me, politicizing this as if this guy is announcing they're arresting criminals to help Donald Trump. Ryan Riley says plenty of politically appointed U.S. attorneys use their positions as a stepping stone to elected office. But you'd be hard pressed to find someone who has been as obvious about it as Bill McSwain. Dude used federal taxpayer dollars to put up billboards with his name and face on them along commuter corridors all across the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Okay, okay. Now people are gonna say, well, what about this, Tim? Are you gonna criticize him for doing this? Sure. Yeah. But I don't care all that much. A guy said it says gun crime equals fed time. No parole every time. Fed crime gets fed time with his Twitter account and his picture. Yeah, and so he's telling people don't break the law. Was he allowed to do it? Did he did he did he illegally seize funds? You come to me. And tell me this man should not put up his billboard with taxpayer dollars. And you don't all say, okay, okay, great, 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 great. Now I'd like you to walk with me to New York, to all of these towns, to DC, where they painted Black Lives Matter in the street with taxpayer dollars and used police to protect it. That is worse. And I criticize that. Does Ryan J. Riley know? But I'll join you, Ryan, in saying I'm not a fan of this guy's plastering his face on a billboard using taxpayer dollars to do it. It just becomes increasingly difficult for me to criticize that in, in good faith 
When you guys were putting up all of these Black Lives Matter messages and saying it's not political, it is. And using taxpayer dollars to protect it is a waste of taxpayer money. And I would argue it's bordering on theft of taxpayer dollars. He says he also ran ads ostensibly aimed at a potential gunman, even though the ads pretty clearly had a different audience in mind. Oh, sure. Whatever. U.S. Look, this is ultimately him just criticizing this, 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 this uh, uh, U.S. attorney. Okay, well, I tell you what, man. You get me someone who will shut the riots down that isn't doing what he is doing, and I will gladly say, okay, we'll take the other guy. Sure, fine. You tell me that we're going to put someone in, in, in office or in, in, you know, in the U.S. attorney's office who's going to do something about these riots, and I say, fantastic. But you come to me and say, with only a few days before an election in a crucial swing state, he's having a press conference. Are you nuts? What should we do? Guys, guys, there's there's a bunch of riots sweeping across these three major cities, but the election is right now. So let's let them roll. Do you think that will help Donald Trump or hurt Donald Trump? Because I got to be honest with you. If these people don't come out and put an end to this, then it's just going to make Trump look better. Oh, no, the riots are back and we can't do anything about it. Trump warned you this would happen. Better vote for him. He's the law and, law and order candidate. The last thing you should want is widespread rioting. But this is the game they play. We got some updates on what's happening. Let me tell you. Feds are arresting a prominent West Philly activist. They did. And two others in a case tied to torched police cars during protests. A prominent West Philadelphia activist who is the lead plaintiff in a civil rights lawsuit over police response to racial injustice protests was arrested by federal authorities Wednesday. Good. But he is still innocent until they can prove him guilty. And my advice to anybody is don't just plead guilty. Get a good lawyer to get the best lawyer you can. And if you're innocent, you fight it. I think criminal justice reform would be a wonderful thing. I think police reform would be a wonderful thing. Protecting the rights of the individual is paramount. However, just because you got arrested doesn't mean the world is ending. In a civilized society, police need to be able to make arrests. And these things happen. We do have a problem with the court of public opinion, assuming simply because these guys got arrested, they've done something wrong. I don't like that. That's a cultural problem we have. We have more. We have a, we have a lot more. I mean, from uh, uh, from Walsh, Daily, Daily, uh, Daily Wire, Matt Walsh, I wanted to highlight this. If you elect a Democrat to lead your city or state, you deserve the chaos that follows. I know this is the, par- the partisan opinion. But seeing Matt uh, um, give his thoughts on this, I'm sorry, but as much as I'd like to disagree, I can agree with it to a certain extent. Um, what, I, what I would say I don't disagree with is I understand what he's saying by you deserve it because you're voting for people and you know how they behave. I just want to push back a little bit. I know Matt didn't say this and just say, I feel bad for the people who didn't vote for, for these, these DAs who are now facing the brunt of this. They don't deserve any of it. But the people who did vote in these district attorneys who won't enforce the law, well, you reap what you sow. Maybe, and with respect, you'll learn an important lesson about law enforcement and what we need to do to keep everyone safe and protect our communities. And maybe you'll vote for someone else. Anybody who at this point says, I'm going to vote for these people, then I'm sorry. You deserve it. You do. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying if you ask for it, and if you vote for it and you get it, you deserve what you get. If someone votes for universal health care and then they get universal health care, they deserve it. They advocated for it, voted for it. Congratulations. The same is true for the bad things, right? 
I think the most important thing I definitely need, need to have covered is the, the van loaded with explosives. Because, of course, we've had ongoing unrest. Uh, they, they've lifted the curfew, which is good news. But tensions over the police killing of Walter Wallace are, are continuing. We've got video surfaces showing. Uh, uh, I definitely want to make sure I highlight this because I'm not I'm trying to be fair. Video surfaces showing Philadelphia police bashing SUV windows, then beating driver while child is in back seat. Not not perfect situations and not good. I highlight this because I'm trying to tell you that I want accountability for everybody, police included. If these guys are going to get arrested, I want to know the cops are doing their job properly. But look, man, the main issue I have is politicizing all of this. Um, most importantly, politicizing the actions of law enforcement. I would argue this. And another reason why I want to highlight this SUV thing. If you're going to tell me or, or insinuate there's politicking from this U.S. attorney calling a press conference about riots just before the election in a critical Trump district or whatever, then I would say, oh, then, you know, this video being put out by the media is just before an election. Oh, how dare you make the police look bad? No, show the cops doing something if they're doing something wrong. Prosecute the criminals and the elections will be we, the results we get from the elections will be the result of what our society does. Hiding things doesn't change that fact. Now, maybe the bigger implication, the bigger story here is this. Philadelphia, an investigation is underway after police found explosives and other suspicious cargo inside a van at Logan Circle on Wednesday night. Action News has learned that police recovered propane tanks, torches, and possible dynamite sticks from the van. The bomb squad is investigating. There is no word on who owns the van or if anyone has been arrested. The discovery comes as the city remains on a heightened alert following nights of unrest from the killing of Walter Wallace Jr., this is scary. Okay. A lot of people say that I'm wrong or I'm silly for bringing up the civil war stuff. But you know what I find? I find that many of these people just don't know the things I do. They don't follow my content. So they hear me out of context, say something like there was a, a, a video. No, no, actually a good, a better example is when Vosh was on uh, the anti-fascist socialist guy we had on the IRL podcast said far right conspiratorial. When I said they'll come to your house and they'll change the definition of words. I said, those things already happened. I suppose his counter was just because they happen doesn't mean they'll happen again. And I think it's silly to it to 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 I think it's a silly argument. My response would be those that fail to learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. I've laid out my case quite specifically. The Democrats in various cities have cut these people loose and they continue to riot and they continue to go to people's homes and residential neighborhoods in Portland. It's happened dozens of times where they've gone and, and marched no justice, no sleep in the wee hours of the morning. So like I said, they've already done it. Tell me it won't happen again. And I tell you this. The simple solution is if Democrats are in favor of what's going on, a Democrat as president would likely not enforce the enforce the law the way a Republican would, because we've seen what Donald Trump has done. I can only make predictions of the future based on what has happened in the past. And those that forget the past are doomed to repeat it. A lesson that would be uh, well learned my uh, Mr. Vosh, but I, I do appreciate the conversation and I respect the argument. My response is just I look at what they're doing with these riots and I say, if we don't take action, there is a strong likelihood this continues. That means we need federal authorities to prosecute, to make a to hold a press conference, assuring the public we are doing everything we can to end this. Because if you don't do anything, there's a strong possibility it will get worse. 
Now, look, to, to be reasonable, as I often try to be, there are some circumstances where doing nothing is the right thing, for sure. Sometimes doing something is the wrong thing. But when you have multiple nights of unrest and the police are apparently being told to stand down from Steve Keeley, Fox 29, obtained by Fox 29 News, directive from Philly police executive team, extremely frustrated officers, both patrol and commanders told me overnight they were ordered not to arrest looters, just disperse them. Thank you to the uh, to McSwain. I believe McSwain is his name. William M. McSwain. Thank you for for coming out and letting us know you are doing everything you can to put an end to the violence and prosecute the criminals who threaten our communities. I live in the Philadelphia area, and it's because of things like this. I am moving. I am in the process of moving it. I was just there recently. Um, most of the you see it's, it's I'm not too far away. We drive back and forth. We're setting up a new studio, so it's been a ton of work, a lot of work, mind you. But as you can see, most of our shows are in the new studio. I was just back in the Philly area where I actually do live and um, will be officially moved in, in um, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe a, maybe a couple of months. Uh, it's, it's not an easy and simple thing to do. Maybe in the new year, I'll officially be, be moved and transferred over and all that stuff. But it's, but it's rough. But I'll, I'm going to tell you something. To tell me that I'm wrong because I've said, look at what's happened. This is what is going to happen if we don't do anything about it. And then for me to sit here and look you in the in the lens, I'm looking at camera, uh, and say, I was right. I was 100% right. Oh, you'd like to know what I was right about? You want to say, be specific, Tim? I said, I don't want to be in the Philadelphia area, a major urban center as we get closer to the election because the violence is only going to escalate. And guess what happened? I live in the Philadelphia suburbs. I'm about 10 or 15 minutes from city center. And now in Philly, there is widespread rioting going on. Now, they don't usually cross the bridge, but earlier this year they did. And I said, if they're going to do it now, this there's a likelihood of escalation. I should not be here. And so I said, we should probably move for safety. And one of the main reasons I've dedicated a lot more time over here building things and setting things up, though I haven't officially moved completely, is just because I'm trying to avoid Philadelphia. And guess what? I was right. Because now they're rioting. And I don't want to be there. I don't want to deal with the sirens and the helicopters near my home again. Now, I don't know if they've crossed over across the bridge because I'm in the South Jersey side, just on the other side of the river. But they marched over the bridge Earlier this year, and I said, I'm not I'm not taking a risk when it starts in the Philly in Philly proper from there, it could branch out into the suburbs. So I left. I'm sick of the politics. Uh, Trump needs to put an end to this because the locals won't. The Democrats won't. And you know what? If that helps Donald Trump. Good. If he does the right thing, then good. It's that simple. If you want Joe Biden to win, you need to not attack the attorney. The Democrats need to come out and say thank you to William McSwain for doing everything, everything in their power to keep our community safe. Just know the Democrats stand with our federal prosecutors to end the violence and rioting. Why won't they do it? So you know what? These journalists want to come out and say, I can't believe they're announcing arresting people and charging them. Nah, I don't care if he did it on election day or the day before. I don't. I want to see the job done. And if you can't handle that and you won't give me those promises to keep my community safe, I'm going to vote for the guy who will. So thank you, William McSwain. That's my that's my response. Thank you for letting us know what's going on. Now, I uh, don't know what the official announcement is. Uh, this was this was put up yesterday, I guess. 
at the time of recording this, by the time you watch it, he'll have he'll made, made his announcement. And I'm hoping, it, uh, admittedly, it'll be really funny if he comes out and says, we're not going to arrest anybody. We're all standing down. They're free to riot. And then I'll be like, oh, geez. No, I think he's going to start making some arrests. So look, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast, my main channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. Joe Biden is going to win. It is going to be a landslide. Rust Belt, all blue. Florida, blue. Nevada, Arizona, blue, blue, blue. Joe Biden, landslide. 500 electoral votes. Donald Trump crying. And that's exactly why Joe Biden is going to Minnesota. Wait, 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 wait. Why is Joe Biden going to Minnesota? Democrats haven't lost in Minnesota in a very, very long time. Joe Biden should be going to Texas, right? Where they say Donald Trump might actually lose, where the Democrats might win. Why would why would Joe Biden go to a Democrat stronghold when they're telling us that Texas is the place that might turn blue? Could it be that the polls are wrong and the narrative is incorrect and that Texas is safe and Joe Biden doesn't isn't going to bother trying to flip it and that Minnesota, a Democrat stronghold, is at risk of turning red? Maybe. Or maybe it's a grand conspiracy by Joe Biden to trick Donald Trump and his supporters. <laughs> They're so stupid. They'll think I think that I'm going to lose by going here, throwing them off, and then they won't come here and they will ignore Texas. And then I'll win Texas. And Occam's Razor suggests Joe Biden has to go to Minnesota because he's scared he might lose it. We saw six mayors from the Iron Range endorse Donald Trump. And you've got some weird districts that are typically Democrat. Even CNN has covered this. Right now, the narrative from Republicans is that Joe Biden is is scared he's going to lose Minnesota. But how is it? We got all of these polls saying that Donald Trump is going to lose. All these leftists showing these electoral college maps saying Trump's going to get utterly obliterated. The prediction market saying Joe Biden's going to win 400 electoral votes. Maybe. But I think everybody realizes that times they are a changing and we don't know what we don't know. But we do know that we didn't know what was going to happen last time. So this is going to get spicy, ladies and gentlemen. The story from the Star Tribune. President Donald Trump is also coming to Minnesota Friday, holding an event in Rochester. Interesting. They say Joe Biden will return to Minnesota for a drive-in event in St. Paul on Friday. The planned visit four days before the election will come as both campaigns launch their final push to capture Minnesota's 10 electoral votes, underscoring its status as a potential battleground state. Details of the event tentatively scheduled for 3.45 p.m., have yet to be announced. President Trump has vowed to flip the state after a narrow 2016 loss. will make his fourth visit to Minnesota in recent months on Friday with an evening rally in Rochester. Several Trump campaign surrogates are also set to visit the state through, uh, through the weekend. Many state and national polls have shown Biden maintaining a lead over Trump in Minnesota, a state that hasn't voted Republican since 1972. The Twin Cities stop will be Biden's second visit to the state as Democratic nominee, the former vice president toured a labor union training center outside Duluth and greeted voters in the city's Canal Park District on the first day of early voting in mid-September. The campaign also announced additional stops in Iowa and Wisconsin on Friday. Shouldn't Joe Biden be in Texas? Come on, they Cook Political Report says Texas is a toss-up state. Shouldn't Joe Biden be in Texas? Something ain't right. And I got to wonder, what could it be? Polling firm that accurately predicted 2016 election has Trump leading in Pennsylvania. Huh? Shouldn't Joe Biden be in Pennsylvania? If he's winning in Pennsylvania, maybe he really is. He doesn't need to be there. And maybe 
He is so sure of himself in crushing Donald Trump, winning Texas and Pennsylvania, or maybe he thinks the Texas stuff is wrong, but they say Tulsa. Maybe he's so confident. He wants to make sure that Trump doesn't even get Minnesota. No, I don't think so. I think the Democrats are worried. Look, Joe Biden has issued a statement. His campaign said the polls are inflated. Don't trust them. You need to go out and vote. And then recently he ran an advertisement where he said, we're down in Michigan. And all of these leftists are like, you really think Joe Biden is losing Michigan? You're so crazy. Joe Biden might think so, or he's lying to people to make money. No, I think Joe Biden faces a real risk and he knows that there is the secret Trump voter they cannot predict. And this, I believe this is Trafalgar Group, but they say this. A new survey by the Trafalgar Group shows the president taking a tiny lead in the all-important swing state of Pennsylvania, putting him at 48. Uh, here's what they say. The polling firm's latest data show Trump slightly ahead, 48.4 to 47.6. It is not much, and it is not even half the three-point margin of error. But at this point, and considering how the state polling is trending, Trump and his campaign are likely happy to see and take whatever good news they can get. Margin of error. Pennsylvania is toss-up territory. And Joe Biden is campaigning in Minnesota? Nah, I don't buy it. Joe Biden is worried he's going to lose even Minnesota. Joe Biden, if this is, look, does he think he lost already? How does this make sense? Uh, who's, I don't know. I got no idea what's going on. Everybody's crazy. You're crazy. I don't know who's going to win what. I can't tell you what Joe Biden is thinking going to Minnesota. I can't, but I can do this. I bring you now back in time. Come with me aboard my time machine to November 8th, 2016. The Trafalgar Group said our projection, Trump 306, Clinton 223, with Colorado, Virginia and Wisconsin possible, possibly breaking Trump as hidden voter. November 8th. Do you know what happened on November 9th? Why, that was election day. 11-9, they call it. And Donald Trump won. And Trafalgar Group says he's going to win again, tracking the hidden Trump voter. They said the same thing. November 8th, 2016. Here's the image. Take a look at this. They said Clinton 232, Trump Pence 306. Do you know what the actual results were? I give you the Clinton 232, Trump 306 electoral college map. They hit the nail on the head with the hammer. And we're kind of facing the wrong direction a little bit, but they got the numbers right. What they missed was New Hampshire and Nevada. In their projection, they had Nevada red, and they had uh, New Hampshire red as well. Nevada and New Hampshire. But they missed Wisconsin. Wisconsin turned red, giving Trump that same 10 electoral votes, putting Trump at 306 and Hillary Clinton at 232, citing the hidden Trump voter. They're now saying Trump is ahead in Pennsylvania. So why should I assume Trump is going to lose? Let me show you this analysis. This is from Kristen's Soltis Anderson on Twitter. She is the co-founder of Echelon Insights, and she has her view of what's going to happen with Trump. I'm going to show you. She says Trump might actually win. Here's his path. But I'm going to push back on her forecast. She says there are a lot of polls coming out today, tomorrow and this weekend. Before they do, looking at the data today, data today, even assuming the polls are right, there is still a path for Trump. It is narrow, but it is real. Current polling averages in the Sun Belt states, Florida, North Carolina, Arizona, Texas, Georgia, all have Trump in striking distance. They are tied or within just a point or two. Not enough for me to say confidently which way they'll go. If they all go Trump, that's almost enough. 
On the flip side, if the polls are right, Michigan, Michigan and Wisconsin are gone for Trump, but he doesn't need them if he's won the Sun Belt, as long as he also holds Pennsylvania. Current polling averages have Biden ahead, but not comfortably. Check that. Here's what she says. There's a scenario where the map looks like this. And this scenario does not require the polls to be wrong. This is amazing. Trump, 280 to Biden, 258. I buy it. I believe it. I do. I buy it. Trump, narrow victory. Makes sense. This is where the polls are not wrong. Now, the left is way overconfident, thinking they're going to win. But I want to point something out. They say Pennsylvania goes red because Trump's within striking distance. Minnesota, though. And Michigan. Right now, the early voting has Republicans up in Michigan. If you go by polling, I certainly understand why you'd say they'd be blue. But think about what happens if Michigan actually goes red and so does Minnesota for the first time since 1972. Trump goes up by another 26 electoral votes, netting him. You ready? 306. There it is. So I don't know. I don't know exactly uh, who's going what, what state's going where. I don't think anybody does. I think everybody wants to know. And it's funny because right now on Twitter, everybody's posting their versions of the, of the electoral map. I think I'm going to post one that's totally just ridiculous. I'll make California red or something. And then I'll give Joe Biden Wyoming. And I'll be like, here's my map just to trigger everybody and get them all mad. Uh, nobody knows. But it's funny when I see the leftists, they're like Joe Biden with 370 or, you know, 400. Or then I see the right wing people, Donald Trump with, you know, like 380 or whatever. And I'm just like, y'all, how, y'all have no idea what's going on. But based on uh, Joe Biden's actions, I would say his internal polling shows he's in trouble in Minnesota. If Pennsylvania is in toss up territory, as these polls suggest, and that's coming from Trafalgar, OK, who predicted the Trump win. Joe Biden should be in Pennsylvania desperately trying to secure more votes. He needs Pennsylvania is, is, is a powerful state for Donald Trump and doing it. Joe Biden's in Minnesota, 10 electoral votes. Pennsylvania is 20. What are you doing? It could be that bad. Their internals might show that they've lost Pennsylvania already. The riots, the fracking comments. So he jumps ship. Maybe we'll salvage Minnesota. <laughs> Why would you need to? They haven't voted Demo- a Republican in, in, in 50 years. Something's wrong. I don't know, man. I would not be surprised if it turns out Donald Trump loses. I don't know. I just don't. I wish I did. My gut kind of tells me it's a slight lean for Trump, but really, like, even my gut feeling is confused. We'll see, man. We'll see. But I I do think it's important and, and fair to point out, Joe Biden is not trying to trick us. So why is he going to Minnesota? Huh? Why not Texas? 38 votes. Well, Tuesday is a coming, baby. And I'll see you all then. But I got a couple more segments coming up, so don't go anywhere yet. I'll see you all in a few minutes. Thanks for hanging out. Finally, a new movie is coming out. You know, there's like no movies anywhere. The movie theaters are like shut down everywhere. Where I'm at right now, we got movie theaters. You can go in and sit down. You wear your mask when you walk and you take it off when you sit down. You eat your candy and your popcorn or whatever, and you watch your movies. The only problem is there's like one movie, Tenet. And Tenet was pretty good. I liked it. I went to go see it. But when, when, when I called like a couple of theaters, they're playing just old movies like Harry Potter and things like that. And it's because no new movies are coming out. Well, we got a new movie. This movie is called Songbird, a movie trailer about pandemic COVID-23 slammed by critics cashing in on human suffering. 
COVID-23. <laughs> what is four years from now? We have no vaccine, no cure and no plan. That's your idea of a horror movie. My friends, watch the trailer for this movie. What were they thinking with this? First of all, a lot of people are saying too soon. I'm actually saying this movie is stupid. You know, but I, I'm going to stop right. There. I'm going to tell you, I actually like this movie. You know why? I actually like it because the main characters are apparently like this dude and this chick and the dude is immune and he's got a wristband. And so there's like a scene where he's riding his bike and then the, these like military guys are like, don't move. And he's like, wait, wait, I'm immune. I'm immune. He's got a bracelet on. It's like, OK, now they won't shoot you, I guess. They're that worried about they're that worried about a, a virus that has a, a mortality rate of like. 0.005% for like the elderly, like our infection, infection, fatal, uh, infection fatality rate at 0.0054%. Like they made a horror movie about this. I'm impressed. Anyway, anyway, the point I'm making is the main characters are actually the bad guys. That's why I like this movie. The lockdown is the problem. The enforcers of the lockdown are the villains. Yes. That's what Trump supporters have been saying for quite some time. I love it when I go to like Reddit and I'm reading these news outlets and they're criticizing Trump for saying reopen the, reopen the economy. And they're like, apparently it's trying to save lives is a conspiracy. It's like, OK, um, in this movie, the good guys, the protagonists are fighting against the lockdown. So who do they represent? That's right. To the leftists, the main character is the bad guy. The government is just trying to save lives in this film. Why would you try and fight them and stop them? How dare you? They're upset because like in the film, people are being brought to camps or whatever. The apocalyptic film follows a couple in 2024 that tries to meet during the pandemic. It is so amazingly cringy where like the dude's on one side of the door and he's like touching it. She's on the other. And they're like, we can't touch each other because of an infection rate, infection fatality rate for young people of point zero 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 nine percent. Oh, man. Listen, in the real world, there's a reason why we did the lockdown. There is look, we don't want people to die. And I think people panicked for sure. But there's also lingering effects that's fair to point out. Lung problems, blisters, blood clots. And, and, and so it's, it's not just a typical illness. Okay. I think, I think I, it's fair to say when Donald Trump came out and said, we're going to shut down travel, that may have been uh, a good move. I think so. Uh, you should, um, these other countries should have been more strict, notably China with the stopping the spread. Uh, should Donald Trump have locked down the entire country? I think maybe what we should have done is is protected the vulnerable. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but, but the point I'm making is I'm not I'm not overly critical of the Democrats for locking things down the way they did initially, but the extended period of lockdown was way over the top. Anyway, the point is it's bad. We took action. Okay, I accept these things. We want to keep people safe, but come on, man, this movie. The film follows a couple played by KJ Appa and Sophia Carson who fell in love virtually during COVID-23 and try to meet up. The Romeo and Juliet-esque plot is set in 2024 when the mortality rate is over 50% and the virus kills at an accelerated rate. Infected Americans are forced to wear, uh, forced from their homes and into quarantine camps. Okay, fine. In their movie, it's a 50% mortality rate. Fine. People also criticize the movie for romanticizing the pandemic. Look at, they're like touching the door. Like, I wish I could touch. It's like, dude, the door is not airtight. You can still like cough or whatever. 
It's dystopian scare. It's a dystopian scary world, but it's a romantic movie about two people who want to be together, but they can't. Filmmaker Adam Mason told EW, it's Romeo and Juliet, but they're separated by her front door and by the virus. Oh, it's so cringe. Dude, dude, I just watched The Craft. You gotta see it. You gotta, no, wait, maybe not, maybe not. Don't give these people money. Oh, I watched The Craft. The Craft Legacy, it's a remake. It's actually not a remake, it's a sequel. It has to be the worst movie I have ever seen. And I've seen Birds of Prey, okay? I've seen Birds of Prey. And I wish I hadn't. The Craft Legacy is one of the worst things I've ever had to see. See, and I've seen Cats. You know why Cats was better than The Craft? Because at least they're playing music. Now, Cats was awful. I don't know if you saw it. I felt like they butchered this memory because the song was really good. But like the woman who was doing it was like had snot coming out of her nose. She's like, and I'm like, just sing the song. The song's great. I love it. I love it. And they ruined Mr. Mistopheles. I don't want to rag on cats. Okay, here's the point. It's um, um, trust me. It makes sense. In the craft, the whole movie is a woke PSA. So there's like, I'm, I'm going to, I don't want to spoil too much of the movie for you, but I doubt you're going to see it. Maybe you will. But it's like they, it's very much like the first one. They turn a guy woke with magic and it's hilarious when they're like, we did it. He's woke now. I kid you not. They say he's woke. They put a spell on a guy to turn him woke. Amazing. The movie is awful. The villain's motivations are quite literally, I think the villain is Jordan Peterson. I'm not kidding. I think the bad guy is Jordan Peterson. I'm, I'm ding dead serious. There's a point where he makes a comment about like, masculinity being order. And I'm just like, what is happening? Anyway, anyway, anyway here's the point. Um, maybe, maybe now you, maybe now you want to watch it. Uh, so, so anyway, when I watched this movie and I sat through it and it ended, I thought to myself first, what did I just watch? And the second thing I watched, what uh, I realized I was like, this movie's whole goal was not to tell me a story, but to preach wokeness for real. And, uh, they do, they did make one transgression where one of the characters is a, is a, is a cis female in real life playing a trans person. That's like a big no, no. But the whole point of the movie had nothing to do with magic, nothing to do with the villains. It was literally just being woke and then them praising woke things. It was really weird. And then I realized something changed it's been changing recently where movies are turning and you ever see those really campy religious conservative, you know, movies, even religious conservatives know they're not good. Okay. Cause I like, we, we talked about it in the IRL podcast. It's funny. We make fun of them. There's these like really campy superhero movies, really low budget. Even when conservatives make movies with a decent budget, it's still just not there. And you're like, this is so weird. There's like, there's like one movie that came out with Kevin Sorbo. Where, you know, so they ban guns and then it's like, oh no, what do we do? And then like, I'll riots break out. I'm, I'm probably killing the, you know, ruining the actual plot or synopsis. But like, we, we know guys, conservative movies, you just got to do better, huh? Well, here's happening. It's flipping. This movie, Songbird, that's why I bring it up, is on par with this really cringe, poorly produced and written storytelling that has more to do with shared experience than actually telling a story that might excite or entice someone. So what I'm trying to say is they made this movie as a, hey, guys, remember COVID? COVID's scary. Watch the movie. 
instead of being like a story about a dog that did a backflip off a building and like you're like, ooh, I want to know what happened to the dog next. This is not a story about two people where you're like, I wonder what happens with them. It's a movie where you're like, oh, no, COVID. COVID-23, rapidly accelerating mutation. It's weird, isn't it? And I think we're headed towards a future. Uh, I think I think there's going to be a hard inversion. So I'll tell you why. Your good friend here, Tim Pool, is not a conservative. But here I am hanging out more so with many moderates and conservatives because of things like this. I am uh, uh, about to put out a music video and I wrote a song and the song is good. Um, I think it's good because I wrote it. I, 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 I would never be able to compare it to the songs that I grew up and that I really love. You know, I listen to songs all day. They're just like amazing. And I listen, I listen to this song and I'm like, it's basic. You know what I mean? But it's really well produced. And I'm, maybe I'm being hard on myself. Other people have said it's really good. But I'm like, nah, look, man, I think I can write songs. I think I think it's a great story. And I think we're going to put out a good video. The point I'm trying to make is we got excellent animators, excellent producers with good songwriting. It's not going to be Bohemian Rhapsody. At least, I don't know. I don't think it is. Uh, I'm just saying I think we made a good song. I think we did some good work. And the reason I'm bringing this up is when you look at movies like this, the talented, exciting, creative, curious, interested per- people are not aligning with the weird woke universe. They're leaving it. Now you're going to start to see conservative comedy and commentary and cartoons and things that are actually funny. Steven Crowder is 100 times funnier than any one of the woke brigade late night TV hosts. And that is an objective fact. I know it's not really an objective fact. The, what I'm trying to say is the canned humor of John Oliver. It's 2020, little Timothy. Uh, you're like, bro, I get it. It's the same joke every day. And it doesn't work. You watch Crowder and he just tells you something and then he makes a joke and you laugh because Crowder is just a funny guy. The flip. It's happening. Conservatives are going to start getting the talented and the great production. And the left is losing it. And you know what? So be it. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up for you in just a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. I don't know about you, but this this one might be my favorite censorship story because now they're censoring literal efficiency of government function because the efficiency is offensive. Oh, it's like the government has to fail. No, no. To be serious, it's actually the scariest one of them. Twitter briefly suspends CBP commissioner Mark Morgan after he touts success of border wall. Report comes one day for Twitter CEO struggled to name a liberal his company has censored. <laughs> wow, really? I missed that one. Check it out. CBP commissioner touts the success of the border wall, a government function people voted for, cheered for and wanted to happen. And so he suspended for it. Now, this is really scary. It's funny in how absurd it is, but it's scary because Twitter's rules are now superseding the will of the people and the functions of our government. The story from Fox News says Twitter briefly suspended the account of U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Mark Morgan on Wednesday after he touted the success of the wall along the southern border. We took enforcement action on the tweet, but the decision was reversed following an appeal by the account owner and further evaluation by our team. The Federalist first reported that that Morgan's account was suspended, citing screenshots shared exclusively with the organization that indicated Twitter temporarily locked Morgan's account for violating its hateful conduct policy 
by tweeting that the border wall helps stop gang members, murderers, predators, and drugs from entering the United States. It objectively does. It's fact. Walls work, Morgan wrote, according to the screenshots. You may not promote violence against, threaten, or harass other people. (laughs) Oh, no. On the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, orientation, gender, identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease, Twitter initially told Morgan. In recent weeks, the commissioner had been free to publish content on the site touting the accomplishments of border agents keeping America safe. It's not clear what has recently changed in Twitter's algorithm or policing that resulted in the post's shutdown of his account when other similar posts went unblocked. Federalist reporter Tristan Justice wrote, as of Thursday afternoon, Morgan's account was unlocked. All account holders have access to a dedicated appeals process, and Morgan's account was unlocked when he appealed the decision. Earlier today, I believe it was the former prime minister of Malaysia tweeted, that Muslims have a right to end life because of the years, the thousands of years of history of oppression. Twitter put a sensitive label on it and allowed it to remain. Now, there's an interesting question here. I actually think we might, this one's tough, but I think we want to err on the side of let him say it. The issue is he's telling people they're justified in killing them. It borders on not, it's not really incitement, but man, does it get close. Instilling that idea in people, you are justified in doing this. Getting close. They put a flag on it. Public interest. It was a former, you know, verified, is a verified politician, world leader. Okay, maybe we should know. But a lot of people pointed out that this gets like a flag while others get banned outright. And it's kind of hilarious. But I tell you what, man, the reason why I err on the side of allowing that kind of stuff to remain is that Donald Trump also saber rattled. I think Jack Dorsey was asked about saber rattling and he said, when world leaders saber rattle, you know, we allow it. Trump says stuff like we will use the might of the U.S. military against our opponents. And he's like, that's something they do. It's called saber rattle, you know, waving the sword around. I think it's important that world leaders do, uh, you know, and politicians are allowed to speak. And that brings me to, I guess, Laura Loomer. Now, she was banned. Then she ran. OK, reinstate her account. Public right to know. Right. Twitter said no hypocrites. Laura Loomer never called for violence. As far as I know, she was banned for insulting a, a class of people. Well, she was banned because she she criticized Ilhan Omar and Sharia law. She didn't call for violence like this guy did. And she actually won a Republican primary. And the craziest thing is Trump probably voted for her. She should be reinstated. The public has a right to know. It is in the public interest. We see what Laura Loomer is saying. I mean, dude, she's running for office. She run, won the primary. She might actually win. I, well, I mean, it's like a D plus 20 something district. No, it's like, I think it's like D plus 13. But don't you think it's extremely important if you think she's a bad person that I get to hear what she's saying, that she can speak so we can know? Instead, they sweep it under the rug. I tell you, man, it's a crazy world that we live in, isn't it? They say, quote, if you look at the tweet in question again, every mile helps us stop gang members, murderers and pedophiles from entering our country. It's just a fact, Morgan told the Federalist. I'm sure somebody on that Twitter team has heard that everyone that illegally enters are just good people looking for a better way of life. American people ultimately don't get to hear the truth because someone at Twitter, based on their own ideology, pushed a button to prevent the truth from coming out. On Wednesday, Ted Cruz ripped into Twitter CEO during a hearing accusing him of, you know, censorship. I read that story the other day. 
The exchange came as Republicans of the last several weeks have decried Twitter's actions to lock the New York Post Twitter account. I want to show you something. I want to show you something that, uh, well, I think this is important. There's a Twitter thread from Ben Shapiro. He said, COVID is more dangerous than the flu, but not for young people. So wear a mask and social distance. COVID does not justify treating COVID like airborne Ebola, confining entire healthy populations to their homes or unleashing the authorities to break up family gatherings. We have all gone insane. The latest CDC estimates of uh, infection fatality rate by age. Oh, man. Okay, for people under 19, it's 0.00003. 20 to 49 is 0.0002. For those 50 to 69, it's 0.005. And for those 70 years or older, it's 0.054. The reason I highlight this in the context of censorship is because, well, Ben risks getting suspended for daring. Say things like this. They have nuked entire channels on YouTube for talking about this stuff. But the news is telling us, the science is telling us the truth. Twitter suspended CBP for telling us the truth. You see where this goes? Border patrol is correct. Border protections. People who cross this border are all not just good people. Drug smugglers, human traffickers, being stopped, violent murderers. Not every person crossing is a violent murderer or a rapist or whatever. But they do cross. And we don't want random people wandering through the desert either. But CBP didn't say all people. He pointed out we've stopped the bad ones. And so Twitter and its employees censored the information. What's this, what this is doing is creating mass hysteria. I've talked about it before, but this is a great example here with, with the CDC and, ben, and what Ben Shapiro is saying. If we're only allowed to say everybody hide and wear a mask, then we're only ever going to get news that moves in that direction. If you're never allowed to offer up a counter narrative because you will get banned, then we will be driven insane until we collapse. Ben Shapiro said, by the way, to translate those numbers, this means that someone, and look at this, 20 to 49 years old, two deaths per 10,000 infections. Wow. That means the survival rate for people under 19 is 99.997. For 20 to 49 is 99.98. 50 to 69 is 99.5%. And for those above 70, it's 94.6%. Wow. People over 70 have a 95% chance of rounding up of survival. Why have we shut down everything? Censorship plays a role in shaping our society and civilization. By allowing some speech and banning others, you are shaping things in very specific directions. You can't control the flow of ideas. They call it the marketplace of ideas. It's the idea economy. Good ideas are traded and replicated and passed along. What we're seeing is effectively communist idea marketplaces, where centralized authorities try to dictate what, which ideas are allowed to spread and which aren't. I believe regulation is okay. We regulate speech. Don't incite to violence. Okay. And I mean, for the most part, that's it. Don't encourage or uh, uh, explain violent or illegal activities. That's the regulation we put on speech for the most part. Well, right now, we're not getting that. We're getting more of a communist centralized command marketplace of ideas. 
It's not really a marketplace. It's like you got the idea economy and the idea command economy. Command economy basically means individuals control what goods can be produced and purchased and shipped and where they go. It's centralization. It doesn't work because one person can't accurately calculate all of that information. That's why capitalism does work and pulls people out of poverty. Hence, what we're seeing now with the big tech companies is essentially a kind of communism where they're saying, these are the ideas you're allowed. These are the ideas you're not allowed. So what happens when they push up bad ideas? It destroys the fabric of society and more people end up dying. Surprise, surprise. That's why we should have a not necessarily not necessarily a laissez-faire idea marketplace, but a mostly free marketplace of ideas. And like I said, mostly it's because we put regulation on it. Don't go out and say, here's how you do X and go do it to person Y. You can't do that. OK, that's the limit. Some people are absolutists and they argue against it, saying, no, I should be able to say it because saying it isn't the action. And you know what? Fair point. Fair point. But I, I'm OK with with saying don't incite people to violence. Don't teach people how to commit crimes or encourage them to do so. This, however, was just too funny to pass up. Our government saying, here's what we're doing right. And then being like banned. It's funny, but it is kind of scary, isn't it? That they would they would ban the uh, Twitter already uh, uh, froze a link to house.gov. That's that's crazy. Now, this is people lost their minds. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 10 a.m. tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then.